Yeah. Hey, Caleb. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, how's your current playthrough of RPG Manager Simulator 2016 going? Uh, it's not. It's, uh, I'm having some problems. Uh, the uh, my main writer has come down with uh, uh, Mary Sue self-insertion uh, character uh, obsession. And, uh, Have you tried adding Metaplot? Uh, I heard that's risky. I don't want it to affect my other game lines. I mean, it's a bold move, but if yeah. you're not on Iron Man difficulty, sometimes you have to go for it. Yeah, well, I don't if have If you the, want to beat the World of Darkness. Right? I mean, I, I heard the only thing you can do to... Uh, uh, fix meta plot is to uh, update to new edition. I don't have the budget for that yet. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, good point. That, that technology is very. Well, at least hard. you don't have three artists down with carpal tunnel syndrome, man. Fucking oh, yeah. random number generator. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hear. Yeah, every time there's a fallout, that random event fault. New game, new edition of Fallout came out. So. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, wiped out my staff. <laughs> uh, so hey, it's Game Designers Workshop. We're gonna be talking about project management. We'll be right back. This is the World Blame Bow Grader. This is RPPR Game Designers Workshop, uh, episode 11, uh, RPG Manager Simulator 2016. We're going to be talking about uh, project management, essentially, uh, and all that fun stuff. Uh, and with me, as always, is Caleb, because this, this series is really uh, about your struggles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mine to a much lesser Fucking up in real time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, hello everyone. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, this episode we're going to talk about project management because uh, I am definitely in that phase of the process. Uh, but before we should start off with a bit of news. Yes. So, uh, as many of you have seen, The Brutalist is now being posted uh, regularly on the Actual Play yep. site and I appreciate all your comments and everything like that. And in the community, uh, Actual Play podcast. We have a bunch of other uh, Red Markets play well. tests yeah. being put up around the webs, and I, I appreciate everyone doing that as well. Yeah. Uh, the Reformers, Hooverville, uh, Jeffs County, the whole the whole crew of you uh, appreciated across the board. Um, we have a Reddit community now. It's a subreddit. That's a subreddit. What, that's what they're called. That's what the cool kids are. Yeah. I'm on it. You're not on it. It's though. underground. It, yeah, yeah, it is. Reddit terrifies me, and I'm very glad you guys... <laughs> it terrifies you. ...put on my colors and forayed into the... <laughs> Okay. The wasteland. That uh, is that. Yeah, we've started some discussions on like random ideas for random encounters, i.e., legs, and uh, uh, they're creating their own enclave. Uh, they're discussing what the what the official uh, Red Market subreddit enclave should look like. Oh, that's awesome! Should it be on a NASCAR uh, <laughs> racing track or an abandoned shopping mall? Uh, the discussion is going on. Join now <laughs> to make your voice heard. Awesome. Um, and also. Uh, we're at the point where I have a tentative Kickstarter date. Ooh. Tentative, which I will announce later. Uh, and it will probably be announced on your blog, too, which you're making updates to, right? Yes, uh, I am adding uh, updates to the Hebedon Games blog about just what I'm currently doing. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it is very difficult to juggle all the balls that need to stay in the air right now. So yes. uh, I'm just basically narrating what I'm doing as I'm doing it when I get a chance on the blog. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, and the reason for that is because uh, we are going to launch Kickstarter this year. Yeah. God willing. <laughs> uh, so 
stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. But uh, it's in- a teaser. That's what they call it in the you know. Yeah. Until then, uh, <laughs> we should talk about project management because, as a term, it makes me want to take a very long nap while perhaps. <laughs> whispering the word synergy over and over and over again. Uh, but it is actually a pretty important component. Um, Agile it, development. Uh, yeah, for, for, making a, yeah, for making a book of any length. Yeah. Uh, and as the book gets longer and the project gets bigger uh, or more ambitious, as Red Markets is idiotically uh, <laughs> ambitious, uh, it becomes increasingly important. So it's something that we probably need to talk about because I'm certainly learning yeah. a lot about it. Uh, but you went to school for this, Ross. Kind so, of, yes. Uh, um, <laughs> yes, have you tried frictionless design? I've heard that's really popular. I'm not sure what it is. I'm out of lube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, project management um, is a principle in all kinds, uh, in, in business, uh, for business things. Um, and the, the basic idea is that you want to minimize downtime. You want to get as much work done as quickly and as cheaply and uh, as efficiently as possible. Uh, yay, capitalism. So um, because this is not a one-man project, I mean, Caleb is the progenitor. He is the Zeus, and Red Markets is the Athenia bursting out of your skull. Uh, certainly, you're, it seems like, judging from your you know, anxiety. With way less animal rape <laughs> and... Uh, Probably even more fuck ups though. Yeah, there you go. To be honest, yeah. Uh, so the um, because you're employing artists, editors, uh, layout, uh, graphic designers, uh, and me for marketing. Uh, so uh, that kind of stuff. Um, you need to get everybody working uh, at the same time. And the 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 one of the major goals of pro- project managing efficiently is making sure that no one has downtime. Like if you have a five step process and there's uh, you know, five different workers for it. You want to make sure that every worker is working at the same time. You don't want to have like worker three waiting for worker two to finish their job before and then work, you know, uh, because, you know, instead of taking five work days, it takes one work day, you know. Uh, you know, you don't want to. Ha- That's the basic idea. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, it's really difficult. Yeah. Uh, as an example, if you're listening to this and playing solitaire or something on your computer in an office job right now. Someone's failed at this. Uh, and uh, that's... Well, not necessarily because, you know, they, they may have worked that into their uh, project, man. You know. Yeah, yeah. They could have worked in a certain amount of downtime. In, yeah. Uh, inefficiency. But, yeah. Because it, it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. But it's a matter of minimizing that inefficiency. I mean, the other aspect is leadership. And that is, um, even for a freelance project like an RPG where, and you're dealing with online collaborators, you have to sort of set an example uh, because if you if you are honest and uh, respond quickly and are you know lead by example, then people uh, talented people will respond to that and treat you better and treat the project more seriously. But on the other hand, if you are you know uh, not so quick to respond to people, if you are two faced, if you uh, you know, kind of screw up in certain ways. People are not going to trust you as much, and they're not going to give you your their best work, or they're going to, you know. Uh, and there are certain problems with some people are going to be problematic, regardless. And we'll do talk with that later. And but the thing yeah. about project management and um, something I hope I don't screw up in real time, uh, but I think many people have that I've seen before is that like if you're a writer or if you're a game designer, yeah. or someone on mine in the spectrum, or if you're a visual artist and a game designer and you're getting someone else to do the writing either way you're probably not the type for whom this is 
an activity that is enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, like your amorous, raging lust for getting this project done. <laughs> the term project management is like a very, very cold shower and a naked picture of your mom. It will <laughs> wow. really turn you off. What has Red of, Markets done to you? Uh, that, well, I mean, is that not true? I think that's a big separating factor between a book exists and a book doesn't exist. Yeah. I think there are lots of books in partial forms until people realize that, oh, I can't just tinker with it and play with my friends anymore. Sure. This isn't going to involve 80 pages of email and yeah. coordinating a bunch of stuff. And um, But the thing is, if you're going to be an independent game designer... Right. Uh, and independent, it does not mean fate. It does not mean your book has to be as long as a STD pamphlet. It does not mean that uh, it has to have well, a certain... Well, Dark, you could have just used a game. Yeah. You would. Uh, it, it, well, it, it doesn't mean that like, it has to be completely... Open. I think indie people often confuse indie as an aesthetic, but it's a production model. It means you do everything yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that, and the main thing is that project management is a separate skill that is... Um, like your ability to write or create or get, uh, create a game is not the same as your ability to create art or to manage a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's learning, and if you've never done it before, it's like learn. It's like trying. You know, if you try to draw for the first time, you know that's one thing. But then if you try and put your stuff, if you're comparing yourself to a professional artists, you're going to be like, oh fuck, I I suck. I'm never going to try this again. And project management is a skill, just as uh, it takes as much time to learn uh, as art. Uh, I think in some ways and but it's sort of an invisible skill like the results aren't clearly apparent so like if you're not good at project management it's very easy to get frustrated and give up and then just declare it's inferior to your chosen art form yeah Uh, and so it's you're above it yeah and yeah well and the fact is you know even if you are talented game designer that doesn't mean you're going to be any good at project management exactly it's totally different it's you know orthogonal to uh, game design or writing or anything else like that. But then you look at somebody who's good at it, like uh, Posthuman or, or hell, Fred Hicks. Fred Hicks is, I was just thinking of him. Yeah, he's a god. He gets all the cogs turning in perfect order. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and that's, it's a business act. Where is your mind today? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, at a peak level, I definitely yeah. won't be doing yeah. it at a peak level, but it's it's where my head's at. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think, uh, because of your profession, I think you have some background in that, because uh, you've had to manage a lot of people who aren't necessarily... Um, <laughs> eager. Eager collaborators. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, well, that is factor into a point. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a very different kind of skill set. And you're going to find that it takes a lot of time that you wouldn't anticipate. Yeah. It's def- yeah. And it's definitely an interdisciplinary thing because you need to know a little bit about each field in order to meaningfully collaborate with these other people. I think that's the main thing with um, uh, project management. It's, it's collaborative uh, at its best. I mean, you're not a no, you, one thing, if you're doing tabletop RPGs, you're not like a high priced boss or manager or an executive who can just order, hire and fire people at will because, you know, uh, you can't, so you can't over, you can't be a taskmaster. You can't yeah. task master, bleh, uh, to dominate people or anything like that. So, but, uh, someone does need to be in the lead. And if it's your yeah. game, it needs to be you. Yeah. No one's going to care as much about your game as you are. And, and it's ultimately, yeah, you, it's a 
creative grow ultimately. Yeah. There's a lot of business stuff involved in it, but it's going to shape the book and what the book does and what the game does. So uh, is it the work of game design and writing and what you're probably in this for? No. But is it something you have to do if you want to get it done? Yeah. Because no. you can't. Unlike other things, like I'm really bad at this, I will hire it out to someone who's good at it to save myself time so I can be better at the thing I'm good at. That's an economic choice. Yeah. And you can make that on a here and there. You can't really hire yourself a project manager. Uh, I just, I th- I think you could to a degree to a degree, but, uh, I but think that's it'd be like, like a business partner. Let's like, yeah, yeah. You're you're in it. You're co-designing the game. Now. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. And I that's mean, fine. But it's I mean to give some sort of example. I think you could like do like Penny Arcade for example. They they got a business manager and they did very well for themselves <laughs> once they got a business manager. Uh, so if you could, but that was somebody who approached them and said, "Hey, look, I can make you a lot of money. Let me manage your shit." And they're like, okay. And then that it just became a partnership for the ages. Yeah, you're but, unlikely to find that really talented. And person. then you're up. They were already operating in an order of magnitude of more popularity and reach than I will ever have. Yeah. When that happened. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, something to consider, but the main thing that's going to take up a lot of your time, if you're writing an RPG book due to expectations of the books in the industry is probably going to be art direction. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably the unique thing. Because uh, most other projects don't even have that, or if they're large enough to have concerns about project management, they usually have special people dedicated to being an art director, and you can hire that out. But yeah. in addition to hiring out all the artwork, your budget's already looking pretty bloated. The thing about RPGs um, is that they have a lot of artwork, not as much as a comic book, but comic books almost always have like one art team. Yes. And uh, RPGs uh, sometimes uh, will have a dedicated artist, but especially for the lower indie RPGs, uh, you, you can't afford, unless you find that lucky you know artist who's just believed in your product, he's like, I'll, I'll illustrate all of it, you know, or whatever. Uh, most of the time, you're going to have to hire multiple artists. And, you know, the length, like, usually it's like between four and eight pages, requires one illustration that's sort of the industry expectations uh for like standard rpg books like conventional rpg books i'm not talking like indie rpg books like dungeon you know the 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 fiascos or the they have much lower art budgets but like if you want to do something like red markets you're going to need a piece of artwork every four to eight pages and that means and given its length that's a lot of artwork and you need so you need to find a lot of different artists because uh, you can either ha- even if you get that one artist who's going to illustrate everything, that's well okay. Well, I can do thirty pictures. Well, how many can you do a month? Okay, well five. So that's six months that artist. So if you don't want to, and you're talking about project management, that's six months. Best case scenario, your layout person isn't doing anything. That's six months. Nobody's printing anything. That's well. I mean, if you're doing it right, actually, it means if if you planned it out perfectly, then everybody's working during those six months, and everything comes together. And oh, you even have some extra time for editing. But that assumes the art guy do- doesn't get sick, doesn't yeah. have a kid, uh, doesn't get bored. Real high risk. Real high risk. So you're probably going to have to use more than one person. Uh, you also probably want to use more than one person. Yeah. Uh, as long as you have an aesthetic. So for me, that's the most important thing. I can tell when a book has been art directed 
well or not. Yeah. Uh, or by a, one hand or by committee. Uh, well, what? also, different artists have different strengths. Like, you might want to get one guy for portraits and then another guy for gear. Because some artists, I love drawing guns or I love drawing robots. People's faces, bleh. Yeah, anime it, one and anime two. That's what you get, uh, and that's it exactly. So, like yeah. uh, with the artists where I'm working in now, uh, I have artists that I'm going to use for the main core of the book, not because they're better than other artists. Yeah, by any means, it's because that's what I want the book to look like in terms of depictions of the characters and the setting. Yeah, and then I have artists I'm going to use for various other aspects of the book. Again, not because they're better or worse; it's because they're better for that type of style. Yeah, uh, so. You don't want to do that. So, like, if you have somebody whose portfolio is all full of, like, surrealist... Oh, yeah, then there's style. You yeah. know, advanced stuff. You, you got to put them on something where, like, if your book's not that style, yeah. they, where they can kind of mask their style or it makes sense in the context of the fiction. Um, so it's not as if you have to use only artists of a certain type. But you have to be careful that you know the artist's type and can move it in a certain place. No. Uh, the clearest example I can get is like if you've ever – if you're frequent comic book shops, they will occasionally do those compilation pages where they do one story but every page is by a different oh, artist. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever notice how jarring <laughs> that is – uh, but the reason they can do that is because those are like special events and it's not introducing characters to you. No one ever starts off like a major superhero line or a new miniseries or something like that with a everyone does <laughs> their own page, you know, Bart Kira-esque crowdsource <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it's because you can't get to know characters. That right. Uh, and. Furthermore, if your art style's too all wackity smackity do, I don't think it just hurts the book like aesthetically. I think it hurts learning the rules because yeah. it's going to distract people from the page. Well, it, it will certainly hurt expectations. And yeah, understanding like art establishes the tone, the atmosphere, uh, and the expectations of the genre. I mean, like, and we, we, you know, on after hours and other RPGs, we've always like pointed out like, oh, this game's text talks about a serious, grim, dark stuff. You know, for example, like the world of darkness, like the early stuff, like oh, it's personal game of <clears throat> gothic horror or whatever. Uh, and then the what is the art show? Badass superhero badasses with fangs and leather jackets shooting <laughs> machine guns at each other. Yeah, like slight cognitive dissonance there. Yeah. Uh, so um, one thing I did before I even started hiring out art for Reds Markets is I made a artist reference document. Yeah. And I had a certain list of rules uh, that were standard across all illustrators that I wanted to be adhered to. I already had the set of the the size of the book uh, in terms of paper size picked so I could say how to you know do the dimensions of your uh um yeah art. i could talk about that a uh, little um basically yeah one thing before you get any art is figure out what your book's going to be in terms of size and then have some idea of the layout because you want to say you definitely don't want to be like just make it a picture and then like oh well, i can't fit it on this page it's going to look terrible or yeah. it's going to i'm going to have to crop it i'm going to do this so uh it's better to come out. This will be a full page bleed, or this will be like a quarter page or a half page or whatever. Uh, and then you want to know if it's color black and white. Uh, you always have to have it 300 DPI. That means dots per inch. Uh, that's like a web, it, 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 an image for the internet, an internet website, for example, 72 dots per inch. Uh, well, print is 300 dots per inch. Um, 
So there's a lot of technical terms you need to know. Also, it has to be in CMYK color space as opposed to RGB. And this is a lot of technical stuff. If you're not an artist or a graphic design person, you have no idea what I'm talking about. No. Uh, <laughs> but then you need to – so even before you get any art, before you get any of that stuff, you need to either learn about graphic design, another skill set, like <laughs> Caleb did because you when you present with the mountain, Caleb will – Oh, well, instead of climbing it, I will dig a tunnel through that mountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you will choose. And that is the best way in the long term. <laughs> but wow. Good. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, or you get you find that graphic designer first because that's your very first consideration. Obviously, it's like what is what are the what are the specifications of my artwork? Because the artist will should hopefully know. And then that, another thing is actually making sure your artist knows these terms as well because it's easy to assume that they know all the technical terms like bleed for example uh i had a i've had to deal with that before so. yeah well we're getting ahead of ourselves i'm sorry yeah. uh so with technical specs that's important you want to include that in the reference doc as yeah. well but honestly i would not say uh lead with that because they might yeah. not know what those terms mean and that might not be a deal breaker because you yeah. can educate them on that and in fact that's how you get really good artists for money that you can afford as an indie publisher, is get them into the industry and help them out and be like letting them know what those terms mean. Yeah. So if you do specs, I can explain that stuff, but mainly I know who I want to print through now and I've worked with them before. So they have specs online and they have educational resources. So yeah. my reference thing near the back links all that and I explain I can ask questions. I think what you really want to lead with is you want to give them an idea of what the kind of project they're working on because they're artists. They didn't get into this for money. Like They didn't get into this for the, the nitty-gritty numbers stuff yeah uh they can be perfectly capable of it but they get into it because they want to do some art so i very much led with uh we want a variety of skin tones a variety of body types i will yeah. not take you if you write me cheesecake nobody has yeah. any nobody has their navel exposed while fighting zombies uh so keep the bombshells off the fucking page they're gonna wear coats or kevlar uh right you know that's a good point yeah i had i had aesthetic options i'm like i want a mixture of uh so i came up with a new term i can't find a term that i call it anaclassism mm-hmm. uh kind of like anachronism but not with time um and uh, anaclassism means that I want every image and even to the layout to have a mixture of uh, upper class and lower class signifiers, things that don't go together, you know, caviar on a paper plate, uh, you know, that kind of shit, uh, you know, uh, a mixture of that kind of stuff. So talking about like high end technical weapons and 3D printed guns next to stop signs turned into machetes and spears and uh, tech ninja polymer fabrics next to, you know, or a, a robot mule, a hobo to, yeah, with a, a hockey mask, yeah, a robot mule with a hockey mask, yeah, you know, and yeah, that was Patsy's great contribution, yeah, uh, and that's the kind of stuff you want to lead with because that gets them on board and aesthetic wise, and it also may gives you a more consistent tone because artists are very talented people, and just because their yeah. portfolio doesn't instantly have something in there that can do it. Oh, that's actually uh, a point. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't do it once you give them clear instructions right. on what the look you're going for is. Uh, that actually brings up a point, too, in that uh, we're talking about talking to an artist. The first thing you have to do is find the artist. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously there's hopefully people you, you might know in real life that you, you know, want to volunteer. Of course, this is a business thing, so you know, mixing friendship with business is always risky. Uh, so with that caveat in mind, you might ask friends or people that, you know, that can do art. Um, 
and there's uh, then there, but then you're, you're not, you may not know somebody who can draw your the type of art you want uh, personally. So you need to go online. Um, and there are many, 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 many artists out there who have portfolios and are looking for work or are interested in it. And um, so there are lots of websites you can look for this, like DeviantArt, obviously, is one, conceptart.org. Um, then just numer- Tumblr, there's a ton of people looking for that kind of stuff. Um, so once you find an artist who has a portfolio you like, you just find their contact information and send them a nice email with this kind of – with like – well, first off, you said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And then, like, give the kind of timeline that you want, uh, and then a little bit about the project. Like, are you available to work from this time to this time? You know, uh, and then see if they respond. Then you can send them this information. And um, that's how I do it. That's true. And then be clear how big your book's going to be, because at a certain point, there's no competition. Yeah, it's not a zero sum game. So, for instance, uh, we were talking about Patsy. Yeah. He introduced me to one of his artist friends because I'm like, do you know anybody else who would want to work on the book? Oh, yeah, it's another referrals. Yeah, like so because – and it's not like I, Patsy's going to get less work for giving me someone else. Yeah. Because there's literally more work than he could possibly do right. for the entire thing. So who do you want to work? He gives me one of his friends. His friend's style uh, didn't seem anything like to me like something that would fit off his portfolio page. But then he sent me a test image that was really impressive. And I was pressed with that, but he, he did it sort of quickly. So I'm like, all right, you, I just started with one contract, and he turned in that was he turned it a perfectly uh, huge oh, yeah, scrolling yeah, yeah. vista piece that I would have been disappointed in. And if I'd just been like, oh, you're not there, and yeah. moved on, that's that's another thing. Uh, but referrals are great because once you hit a certain size, yeah. they're not they're not taking they're working with their friends, they're not taking money out of their pockets. Yeah. So. Um, because then they refer you later uh, to something else later on. It's a, it's about networking too. So yeah. So uh, you need to be clear about the aesthetic. What is the book going to look like? What is it going to be? Uh, get them excited on the project. Make sure that they're right fit for the project. Yeah. If you know, if some guy wants to draw a lady just pushing her bosoms up on a dragon. Uh, on a pile of gold. I mean, good for him. The Vans, well, that's what your game's about. Great. Yeah, and Vans not. need art too, man. But like, he's not. Hey, man, there's a lot of uh, uh, Pathfinder third-party adventures out there that need uh, illustrating too. Yeah. So like, <laughs> there are some big differences amongst the people who are currently signed up to do art for Red Markets. But I all think they're thematically consistent with what the game's yeah. going on with, which is makes me really excited to see what the final product looks like. Uh, so you got to do aesthetics, you got to do technical specs, but then it's all about communication, and it's entirely about communication from that point on. Yeah. So be honest, answer their questions directly. Yeah. Uh, and you need to be aware that artists are scarred people, especially <laughs> when they work for other art directors. Yeah. Because uh, if you've ever heard me rant about the term flow. Or the term fun in game design yeah. and how useless those are. Uh, artists have like half a dozen of those. And At least. they've been tortured by them for years. Like, make it pop. Make it sexier. It's a cell phone. It's- Can you make the color more fun? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and they've just been tortured by it. And they've been you know, asked to work for exposure and all that yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's actually a big thing that I want to say. Never... Ever, ever ask, say, you know, whenever you be direct and honest about your payment terms, you can pay up front. You know, well, I would recommend not to pay up front. Uh, but whatever you want to do, whatever it is, be honest. But never, ever be that be that guy, that person who says, oh, but it'll be a great exposure for you. You were 
a terrible person if you try and do that. Yeah. Uh, never do that. If you're, especially if you're trying to make money off something and you're not offering them something at least, uh, don't do that. Many times to my very patient art and artist, God love you. I have just said, I don't have money. Yeah. <laughs> I am poor right now. So I'm not going to ask you to do anything yeah. when I get money, which will be at this date. Yeah. And I usually give them a date. Uh, I would at, like to ask you to do this, but if you're not available to start, then I understand. You could start now, but you need to start now understanding that I have no ability to pay you if you turn it in early. Right. I am always, always really concerned about, oh, God, they get it done early. I don't have cash in the bank. Yeah. Um, so that is something that uh, you've really got to get you've really got to get hammered out uh, and be perfectly honest. And you know what? You should be honest with them, too, because this is probably going to be an exchange over email. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Uh, you can haggle if you want, but it's probably an exchange over email with a person that you heard of a friend of a friend. Yeah. Or you met over DeviantArt. And you know what the best way to start a relationship isn't? <laughs> Haggling. Yeah. If they don't do your prices, say thank you very much. I hope we can work together later. Yeah. I can't afford that much. You get one counter offer, but that's it. If you're yeah. going on and on and on, or if you're quoting their prices to them, yeah. you've just automatically stepped off on the wrong foot and somebody that you need to be on your same side because they're helping build the game maybe more than you are yeah. to, for the more visual readers. So uh, let them quote their prices to you. Tell them if you can do that or not. Yeah. And that's it. Like, yeah. it shouldn't go on and on. It's not the art of the deal. I mean, you could do, yeah, one counter offer. Say, like, the best I can do is this. Yeah, and, and that's it. But yeah, if yeah. That, that needs to be the best you could do, yeah. And then you're done. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a red markets negotiation table. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because <laughs> because everyone's doing this on the side. No one's doing this to support themselves. Well, like, some, well I mean, some artists are. Some are, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it can't, it can't be make or break to get this done. Yeah. Um, so that that's why I, I let my artists quote me their prices. And then if I can do it, I'd say I can do it. And if I can't, yeah. I can't. Um, that's probably not great business-wise. That could be a big thing I'm going to learn about uh, in the future. Right. But um, so far, I've been very pleased with what I get from it. Yeah. Uh, and people seem pleased to work. And then they want to come back and want, they want more work, yeah. which is really important when you haven't even launched the Kickstarter yet. Uh, I mean, that's one thing is that you want, to, you, yeah, you want to build good working relationships with these artists because you want to be able to rely on them. Uh, because inevitably something will go wrong. Like one artist gets sick and you need someone else to do a piece really quickly. Um, or you come up, you need some art for something else and, uh, yeah, you need their help later on. And, uh, certainly you also want to make sure, uh, they'll help you in other ways. For example, if you need revisions, uh, some artists will put in stipulators to, Oh, if you want a revision, it'll cost you this much extra or, but sometimes artists will do it for free, especially if they're, uh, if it's reasonable or if it was a misunderstanding. It's, so if you're, if you're have a good working relationship, you're more likely to get something back from the artist that's valuable to you that you can't put a price on exactly. Uh, I, I would yeah. say if the artist doesn't have a revision cycle built into the price yeah. at least once, I don't work with them. If they're going to yeah. charge you for every individual revision, yeah, I would not work with that person. If they said like this Includes one revision cycle. Past that, we renegotiate. Yeah, that's perfect because then they don't want to get screwed, and that's understandable. Yeah, but, uh, because again, they have to deal with nightmare clients. Yeah, so I mean, and that's another part of the communication. So I have a standardized mode for every picture that goes through. 
Uh, I'm probably going to have to change it when we go to the big level stuff. But that's yeah. why I'm making sure to work with everyone on small bases. Well, that's why you start small. Yeah. Like you, that's, you're establishing the working relationship. You see what their turnaround time is. You see how well they respond to critiques and feedback. And you develop a shorthand. You yeah. stop using terms that confuse each other. You enti- enlighten them as to what bleed and gutter and yeah. all <laughs> if, those if lovely terms yeah, mean yeah. if they don't know what they know. Uh, but you, you want to clarify what you mean. So pers- I personally use a three-milestone contract. I do composition layout, so uh, not just sketches. Yeah, sketches are uh, included in that milestone. To I want this to be there, that that to be there, and that is where your communication really falls in. Because if you have to describe an illustration with words, you have to be as detailed as you want to the picture to be and specific like, and extremely specific not say like a badass coat but like a, a leather coat with studs on it or mm-hmm. whatever so and here's the thing if i didn't describe it and they didn't do it that way that's on me that's not on yeah. them and you have got to put that on yourself or you're going to sour the communication yeah. real quickly now i intentionally like a lot of negative space in some of my drawings uh like uh, I like to see artists be visually creative because they're better at it than I am. Yeah, that's so especially kind of like their talent. So especially in creature design, if that's yeah. not a part that figures into the narrative, if that's not a part that figures into the mechanics, I, I, I might spitball an idea or two, but then I just want it to be yeah what the artist does. So for instance, um, uh, when I was working with Ian on No Security, yeah, and I was talking about uh, I had a picture of these. They're kind of like ghouls, but they're eating dead cows in oh, the sewer the of Chicago. Yeah, and they've got talons, of course. Yeah, and like you do. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, but otherwise, they're just kind of ghouls, and they serve as like the the antibodies for this big underground magical system. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, what do you want them to look like? I don't know. Ghouly, dead, but not like standard. I don't know, make something up. Yeah. They need to do this thing. They need to be in a tunnel. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you are what they eat, so they'll take on these weird cow skull figure heads. Yeah. And ghouls are always skinny. I want mine to be fat and grotesque. Yeah, let artists be able to surprise you. And I'm kid. just like, yeah, that looks yeah. way cooler than anything I would have described. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that a lot, like with base Raiders. I said, like, <laughs> there, I know there were a few illustrations that were to fill in gaps in the layout. Like, oh, there's not, there's not enough text for this chapter. Uh, uh, just this is how big the picture big it needs to be. Just put something superhero-ish. <laughs> Go for it. But conversely, when I was working with Kim on her fantastic cover for Red Markets. Yeah, it was uh, very specific. I, it was extremely specific. It's like six pages of text describing what's going on. Yeah. And then I drew a little stick figure layout drawing things. And it yeah. still changed a lot because she's the visual artist. She's like, all right, this doesn't work perspective wise. Let me show you why. And she showed me these gorgeous sketches. I'm like, oh, so like the picture's still as much her. Well, it's still way more hers than mine. Yeah. But I had to have more input in that one because it's the cover and I had to work around certain elements I needed, like negative space to put titles. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> again, that's why you need the graphic designer input. So like, oh, this is an awesome picture, but where's the word? The word? Words gonna go. Yeah, where are the words going to go? Um, so you need that communication. There are a ton of websites online that will mm-hmm. teach you the basic differences in terms. You need to know the difference between like line and palette and shape yeah, and uh, things like that and what you're referring to, uh, basic understanding of perspective. Yeah. Uh, those terms are not that hard to learn and they're pretty easy uh, to use to It also, if you're doing... 
if you're wanting a specific thing, like it doesn't hurt to build up a visual reference guide. You can send to artists like I want a gun that looks like this, but with this, and then you send them two pictures uh, and stuff like that. Sometimes they'll just copy it, but sometimes they'll get the idea. Yeah, artists really love artist uh, reference pictures. Uh, so that also helps us with like a one thing poses. Like if you like, I was do, I'm doing superhero stuff a lot, you know, with base raiders. So like, I want them to be fighting in a specific way. So like, I tried mm-hmm. to find poses. Uh, for one piece of artwork, and that that helped a lot. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you need to, you just need to be clear at all points, and you need to be respectful, and it needs to be fun. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said, you you don't have control. If they're freelancers, even you don't have control over like whether their kids eat. You don't have control over like their health care. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying you'd be a bastard like that, but in the real world, people who do that can be bastards, and they often are as bosses. Mm-hmm. You don't have that luxury if you're doing an yeah. RPG. So even if that is your impulse, it's not mine. But if that is your impulse for some reason, you got to fight that, or they're just not going to work with you anymore. You don't yeah. get to be. Gordon Ramsay of the RPG industry. Well, you're not, yeah, you're not paying enough and you're not prestigious enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's mean. And the people aren't going to want to work with you again. Yeah. I mean, part of this is like, yeah, uh, ethics, I guess, you know, like the ethical RPG design. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but basically, when I do a contract for art, I have three phases. I have a, and, you know, some people have four, some people have two. Yeah. Um, you don't, and sometimes it depends on what you're doing. Like cover art, something like that, very important. But if you're doing like a minor picture, like, oh, I need something to fill this gap, then it could be just like, just send me a picture. I'll pay you when it's done. And I go, um, I go, Milestone One is usually composition layout. So it's not a sketch, it's yeah. not like just drawn on paper, uh, it's a line drawing at least. And it's uh, relevant of where people are going to stand and where they're going to go. But uh, there could be revisions based yeah. on that. And I get one revision pass at that phase. Uh, then there is uh, the color copy. So if you're doing color, or in this case, it'd be inked and shaded. Yeah. It was black and white. And then you get another revision pass. But you can't say, oh, now I want them to be fighting a T-Rex instead. You include in the contract that the revisions are for color, shading, yeah. details, you're no longer saying, oh, I need a different character in here because yeah. that was for Milestone 1. And then in the third milestone, if you you could be doing color or palettes, uh, stuff like that, final details, uh, after effects, <laughs> um, again, revisions in that, like it didn't look right or you want to cut it, something that you told them to add or something like that, you get one revision pass, but then that's it. Yeah. Uh, you're not endlessly telling them to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And you're not changing it every single time because they have had people do that to them. And you wanted to be clear in the contract that you're not one yeah, of those Yeah, that's another thing. Bets. Send your contract out, especially when you're doing it with new artists for the first time that uh, here are my terms. And, you know, and yeah. so no one, so there's no misunderstandings. And I pay, uh, and I build the payments, which is yeah. talking about uh, communication. Your contract's a tool of communication, but it's also there to protect you and the artist. Yeah. Uh, and so I build my payments into each milestone. So yeah. after the revisions of a milestone are received, I send out payment within a certain amount of days in the contract. Yeah. Uh, and I go personally 25, 25, 50. Uh, but I, Percentage. I, yes. <laughs> it's yeah. not every picture um, is $100. Yeah, no. <laughs> every, yeah. <laughs> Everything's $100. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I go uh, 25%, 25%, 50%. Yeah. In that order uh, for the commission. Uh, a lot of times, actually, with Base Raiders, I've done just 100% uh, at the end of it. But that's because a lot of the artwork is like black and white, 
quick interiors, you know, something like that. Well, uh, I'm I know for cover art, I've done things like uh, so contracts similar to that. Well, speaking of communication stuff, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. So, like, the thing about um, Nicholas's generous donation and all the money that I've been kind enough to receive through the sales of No Security yeah. and things like that and having preliminary art done is that people worked with me before. Uh, what I would really very much like to do is do batch contracts for large sections of the book sure. for people I've worked with. You could do contracts for multiple pieces of art. Yeah, because we know, they know I'm not going to just take their art and run now. Yeah. And I know they're not just going to piece out. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still never going to pay in advance, but you can only start taking those milestones down a notch or making the payments in bigger lump sums once things are like that. But you should if you get into that phase. Uh, you should ask first because it's about communication. But you should because PayPal fees or whatever fee you're looking at yeah. will eat you alive uh, with eat those individual bat those individual payments. Well, so I mean, what, the, so what the recipient I, takes the the fee, yeah. not the. So what I will usually do is if I'm doing a, a batch contract and they don't want just one lump sum at the end, which I yeah. understand not wanting. Uh, I will do uh, what I call a batch contract in which I will basically take my three milestones and then I'll make them uh, columns on a graph. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then each different uh, commission will be on a row. Mm -hmm. And I will tell the artist, I will pay you by column or I will pay you by row. Meaning that if you want to go complete one image, I will pay you for the whole image on that row. But if you want to complete the column, I need to everything at milestone one before that. And so the artist can then go along with their style. Like, yeah. Uh, so do I want... Have you had a lot of variation? or do most people A lot do? A lot of people like to work on one piece and just yeah, continue kind of it to yeah. the end. But then you're not writing a separate contract for every piece. Sure. Which if Red Markets is as small as I can imagine it being, would still be for me, uh, as I figured it out yesterday... It would still be roughly a hundred and forty-three separate contracts <laughs> if I did that. Yeah, uh, counting all the different layout, editing, and art pieces I would need. Uh, so yeah, that'd be a nightmare. You don't want to do that. Uh, that's why it's nice to have that communication built in, so you yeah. gotta do a more complex contract like that. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like. Uh, all of this contracts that's that's Caleb's specific thing talking with that every um, every designer every publisher comes up with their own working relationship with artists so like don't you don't that's not the one true path it is not uh, uh, so talk to the main thing is talk to your artist and find out what you're both comfortable with and uh, go with that and you some people might want to do even more formal with that more formal more structured contracts some might want to go something less formal I would say yeah. bare minimum you need uh, clear language on how many revisions are expected yeah uh, how many phases until full payment? Yeah. If it's uh, one, and rights, you, of course. Yeah, obviously. if it's one, there's new, and rights, and you need to not be a dick, and you need to let the artist keep the rights to their work because you're not Marvel. And they're well, not Steve actually, Ditko. I mean, well, no, I would say, I mean, uh, work for hire stuff is fine as a publisher, like especially like if you're working in someone else. Like we've done work for hire stuff for like Eclipse Phase, uh, and they do Creative Commons stuff. Uh, that one thing is. To give them the right to use it for their portfolio. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Steve Yicko can't draw Spider-Man yeah. for anyone, for yeah. any, for fun. Like, yeah, yeah. They, some, you know, there's lawyer, there were lawyers hunting him down. Yeah. Uh, like, so that stuff's not cool. Uh, so, yeah, they don't need to, like, resell your original characters or anything like that. And you don't have to let them sell prints of it if you don't want to. Yeah. That's all within your rights of, like, 
I want rights to this picture to reproduce in the book and any subsequent books and any promotional materials uh, and to sell for right, my own profit. You own the copyright for the image. You own the copyright for the image, but they have access to it for any portfolio needs. Yeah. Because you're really just answering them to throw work down the drain. Yeah. It's like if they're getting better and they're doing good work for you. Right. But you're not letting them show that off. Yeah, you're really kind of hampering them. Yeah. Um. So that's that's the that's the one thing I I think is pretty. And if they have other specific like um requests, like uh, I've had artists like a very artist who wanted to like be able to sell prints of it, uh, Mm -hmm. their work at conventions. I'm like, all right, that's fine because you know. Uh, that's a minor thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, know how many revisions cycles yeah, yeah. you have. Know how many payment cycles you have. Yeah. Uh, whatever those may be, and then know what the rights are. Yeah. Uh, and find out what it means when we say work for hire and uh, and then copyright. And stuff then finally, and, for yeah. the uh, last thing you need to worry about the troubleshooting of our direction. Oh yeah. You need a date on the contract. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the be all end all burn everything down date, but that's your protection date. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had an artist, you know, whiff on a deadline. <laughs> well, where I did more than say, "Hey, what's up? Yeah, please send it to me." Uh, but the thing is, if I hadn't included the date in the contract, had it gone to the point where it needed to be more than, yeah, hey, what's up? You guys okay? And the answer wasn't a few days late, and then it was just a few days late, and that's no big deal. Uh, then I would have no protection if that wasn't in the contract. Yeah. So you need deadlines in there, not so you can be a horrible stickler, like waiting for you know it to roll over to midnight, uh, and so you can void a contract. You're not doing it that way. You want the peace, and you want to be nice to the person. But it is there to protect you. Yeah. You need a hard date for uh, because there are going to be uh, there are people out there who. Um, are not trustworthy. You know, there are there are people out there in the industry uh, who will take the money and run uh, if they get a chance. And so, never. I I mean, as a new publisher, unless you trust that person implicitly, don't pay upfront uh, for anything. Uh, only pay on milestones or completion uh, because that if there's you know, especially if it's someone, especially if they demand it upfront, like oh, I'll do this, pay me, and I'll get it to you. And I'm like, well. I don't know you, so I can't work with that. So um, this is this applies not just artists, but to editors, anyone you're working with. Uh, don't pay up front. <laughs> I think it's just a protection thing because you don't have the money and the resources to take this to court. And they know that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and like the, and then even if you talk about it online, uh, people may or may not believe you. It's not necessarily a deterrent to trash talk someone online uh and it may be more trouble than it's worth uh because then they could actually slap you with some they could sue you uh if they're really that you know malicious so uh, i mean that yeah. gets around though uh so that's one of the benefits of the referral system yeah. the rpg industry is not a big industry so if you start working with people in it yeah and going to conventions like we've talked about in previous podcasts and yeah networking and stuff uh, people talk, and I know if somebody's like, "Hey, I'm not going to use Person X for a project," some yeah. people are going to be like, "Dear God, no, don't, <laughs> don't do that." Uh, yeah. And I will be painfully honest with them because I'm not making some anonymous Facebook tweet. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm saying, yeah, it's legitimately dangerous for your pocket. Yeah. Uh, so, and and that's, I mean, that's perfectly fair game. So the, those people flare out real fast. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, yeah. unless they have 
magic. Uh, but there are people who there are some people who are not necessarily professional con artists, but they they are just they just sort of skirt the line and they just kind of. Uh, I mean, there are people like Ken Whitman who I feel comfortable talking about because he is professional conner. He is a professional conner. Um, but there are people who do turn in some professional work, but then they think, especially because they turn in professional work to bigger publishers, but you're not the bigger publisher. Publisher. So, like, if they have to tr- tr- uh, choose between a uh, publisher who gives them $10,000 worth of contracts and you for you know, 200 bucks, they're going to screw you over. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, just definitely don't bank on that person. So like, yeah. uh, this goes back to something we've been saying since the beginning. Um, you know, writing RPGs is great, but I don't think it should be your full time job. I don't think you're good at it. If it's all you can do. Cause like, yeah. uh, I'd be really screwed with red markets now if I didn't have enough money. Right. To buy some preliminary art for the trailer, to buy to find people I know I want to work with and right. test them out first, and especially on a project of this size. Uh, well, it wouldn't be a project of this size, basically. Right. So that. Well, I mean, the RPGs. I mean, starting an RPG thing is no different than other startups, and that's their almost their biggest problem is almost always that they're undercapitalized. Yeah. So if you're going to do is do it at full time, you'd have to really get investors and invest in it, you know, and not in not necessarily do a Kickstarter because like. If you're doing this full time, you would need a publishing house. You need to be like Evil Hat and not just have one game every two years. You need to have five games every year, yeah. uh, which is not oh, easy to do. <laughs> yeah, but no, but the thing I'm talking about here is like, yeah. let's say you launch your Kickstarter, your book's ready to go, you have all your text, you found your artist, but you couldn't capitalize to do like preliminary pictures with them. Yeah. All right. You give them a batch contract or a con artist, they run away with a whole bunch of money. Not yeah. cool. You're saying about it, you give them one contract to test them out. They're flakes. They're horrible. They don't do it. Now you don't have an artist. Uh, yeah. So now you get a new project, like pushing back your whole development cycle and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's good to communicate often. It's good to communicate early. Mm-hmm. Um you kind of have to be a nag sometimes. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, artists that, are yeah. not known for their project management skills uh, <laughs> and just as writers are not known for it and both of those are accurate stereotypes um, <laughs> so you kind of have to nag about it but you don't want to be too naggy right? Uh, and then so what I do is I'm just open about it um, like uh, and I think I probably oversell how much of an ogre I am about certain <laughs> things but uh, I was talking to Kyle and Kat about doing the graphic design for the book, mm-hmm. uh, which they're currently doing fantastic work on. And I'm so thrilled that they came to us and we met at Gen Con and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, but I talked to them about it and I just like... They're I at just, roleplaystudios.tumblr.com. Yeah. And I was just honest, like, I'm going to be an ogre about this. You know, send me five pages of material, expect 20 pages of notes. It's yeah, the yeah. interior of a technical document that I have to use to teach the people the game that's going to contain literally every other element of the game. I have to make it look perfect. And so I'm going to be nitpicky, nitpicky <laughs> as hell. And I'm going to nag you constantly with emails. And I was just very clear. as like, if you're not cool with that, we shouldn't do this. Thank you very much. But yeah. at least for this phase of the project, until we get a template down... I'm going to be very persnickety about yeah. everything. 
Uh, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's something wrong with like, hey, man, you want to do my book? It'd be really cool if you laid it out. What is this? There's a widow on page 37. <laughs> like, you can't just switch gears like that, you know? Uh, yeah, this comes back <clears throat> to honesty and communication. I mean, this, these are just good basic business skills anyway. Like, um, if you're manipulative, uh, people will figure that out. And they don't have like they have to want to be part of this in order to say part of it. Like if they don't want to be part of it, they will find a reason not to be part of it uh, because the money isn't good enough <laughs> and uh, the prestige isn't really. Uh, it's a labor of love. Like they need the money because otherwise they can't do it. But they can find other ways to survive. Is if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, be honest. If you're going to be an ogre, be an ogre. But like. Make sure people know that. And, like, that's not even ogre. That's just, you know, uh, being professional. I mean, there's, for me, I am more, like, I mean, I was doing the graphic design myself. So, like, does it look good? All right, it's fine. Mine mine was overworked. Uh, (laughs) So, a slightly different professional relationship with myself. Um, But, yeah. so keep that, uh, keep all that in mind. Yeah, uh, but that's not it for project management. That's just the unique stuff for uh, RPG design. So you've got to also uh, you should have an editor. God, yes. I mean, God, you should have an editor. It's so hard to do. You, you can't have, do. You can't edit your own work. You can't edit your own work. Doesn't matter it's who you are. Hard to give it to your friends to get them to do it. Your friends aren't trained editors. Well, even if they are, they're not going to have the time or energy to yeah, do. Yeah, it. uh, it's expensive, but. Yeah. For what seems like not a lot, but it is a lot. Um, and uh, Laura's great. Yeah. Uh, she is. Done she's got some, a Tumblr now, too. Yes, she's done some Red Markets podcasting herself. Let's see if I can remember to link to these uh, in the show notes. And uh, she is currently, uh, she edited a big draft of the book already, and she's going to be our full time uh, project person. Um, and. Yeah. Uh, I will be honest. Uh, Laura wasn't my first pick as an editor because I didn't know her when I picked an yeah. editor. Um, and the guy I picked, it was not great. Uh, he had wonderful things to say about me. Yeah. Great ego boost. <laughs> uh, not what you need in an editor. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Laura can say lovely things about Red Markets and be really excited for coming out and then scream at me for using the Oxford comma for two pages. Uh, She's against the Oxford comma? (laughs) Uh, No, let's revisit this issue. (laughs) She's uh, not a serial comma person. She's an AP person, it seems like. Oh, God. And then she'll do big style guides and she'll correct me on passive voice and every page bleeds and like she gets your editing money. Uh, so you, that's another, every page bleeds, uh, for the, what, what do you mean by that? Exactly. Uh, like she finds everything on there. Like, like she is line by line. Oh, every page bleeds as in with writing. Yes. Okay. I thought you meant Uh, there was some, some term I hadn't heard of. No, no. Uh, and, uh, that's great because, uh, I, I'm looking for something different in editor than I am. For yeah. this. you know, I need someone to fight with. Yeah, no, uh, I wish you, I had Laura for base raiders. Yeah, you you want you want someone to have an argument with. Someone emailed me like I sent it out to dozens of people. I sent it out to all the Kickstarter backers, uh, and I looked it over for weeks. And then I'm like, fuck it, I'm done. And then like two weeks after it's published, oh, here I found 50 typos. You're still gonna miss them. Yeah, you're still gonna miss them even with the editor. Yeah, uh, but but maybe there wouldn't be 50. There would be 10 or something. Yeah, because you don't have like the you don't have the team of a publication company behind you. Yeah, but you got you need at least one professional to. You want to be better than Palladium. Um, <laughs> so. 
Uh, again, uh, happy with that. But those people need contracts too. They need yeah. a per word price. That's uh, the industry standard that you got to set. Well, not just industry, like editing period is per word. Yeah, uh, yeah. You need a per word price. You probably need a revision cycle, so you yeah. probably need a double pass. Uh, you probably want to pay for that, and that all needs to be listed in the contract date, uh, and that all needs to listed be be listed by times. Yeah, uh, because and those times need to be even harder uh, for the purposes of getting everything else off the ground with artists. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a whole- so yeah, I mean, like in general, like going back to the beginning, of project management, like the first people you want to look for are your editor and your graphic designer, uh, and then you talk with those people, figure out like where you are with your manuscript, figure out a schedule for your manuscript and then figure out a schedule for your layout and then figure out what your art needs are. And then you can work about the artist. So that like in terms of generally like, how do I get, how do, where do I start? You know, that kind of things. Yeah. And so regarding yeah. graphic design, uh, I typically go the same as artists and yeah. you'll have a, uh, a three phase mm-hmm. 25, 25, 50% contract, um, for the number of pages that you're doing. So the way we're doing with Kyle and cat is that I'm, doing a sample page for the Kickstarter, a sample chapter, sorry. Yeah. Uh, How many pages? It'll be about 23, I think, when it's done. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. It's over a signature. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is another term. Ooh, yeah, scary. But it lets me know. Uh, but I need that for multiple reasons. So yeah. I want to shoot for either six, uh, every six pages art or every four pages art. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can afford more than that. No. So those will be in the stretch goal areas. And to be um, honest, you don't want too much art. I mean, they're No, it's true. <laughs> and at 20 pages, I can do uh, 12 pages of one every four. Yeah. I can get kind of idea of what my price was. Well, it's like three to five art pieces. Of yeah, art. I can get my price per page, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not going to be perfect because the whole book isn't written yet, but I can yeah. estimate it. So I estimate that out, and that's important for my purposes. Sure. Um, I'm also paying them for the rights to the design and the template in case they decide to drop out because by the time the whole book's done, that's going to be a ways away. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to come up with them, but if I have the InDesign templates, it still speeds things you up. You can get somebody else to do it. Yeah. But they, I don't want somebody else to do it. I want them to do it. But yeah. you know, still, I've got to finish writing the book first. Right. I can't expect them to just sit on their hands that entire time. Right. Um, that's something else you need to think about with project management. If you don't project management, your freelancers might be freelancing something else yeah. when you need them. You need to, uh, yeah. Communicate again. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, they're working on that. Uh, and then hopefully once that's set, they can give me an hourly rate. So a lot of graphic designers charge hourly rates. Yeah. Uh, have to be quoted. In that regards, as an RPG person that's doing project management, you let them quote you how many hours it's going to be done, and you give them a uh, a wiggle room mm-hmm. to go above that. Uh, but you have to cap that wiggle room, yeah. Uh, so you don't get you know indecisively. So again, past this point, we must renegotiate. It's not like you're just waiting for that last hour to go on the billable cycle, and then. Yeah, you know, screw it, it's all off, burn it all. Uh, but you you have to make sure that you know if if the project's going over budget, you know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you always have to put the caps in. Um, so yeah, again, it, it, 
these uh, we keep reiterating the same thing communication be honest uh, be direct um build relationships with the people you're working with these seem obvious but you'd be surprised how many people don't realize these are the fundament these are the foundations of uh collaborating on project management uh in the 21st century woo. Uh, uh, so yeah so i can kind of use red markets uh, as an update and yeah. as an example of all this stuff in action mm-hmm. as how you're doing this currently well you've been kind of a little leading you know seeding that a little bit throughout a <laughs> little bit yeah. yeah a little bit um so basically, uh, we got all of the beta playtest stuff back in December, and we talked about game changers and making yeah. the change log. So I'm in the interest of writing a post version. Uh, I've taken all the people that have been kind enough to do copy edits. Uh, Laura is just the one that we're going to use for the main project. Many of you were kind enough to send me your copy edits already. So what I basically will do is I'll print off a chapter. I will go through all of the individual different ver- edits of that chapter and I will mark it all on one page. Mm-hmm. Um, then I will go through my change log, and I will make individual notes until I get this nonsensical string of <laughs> uh, things to invest. Then I go through the Scrivener file, and I go paragraph by paragraph, section by section, either adding in things that things need to be missing or just doing copy editing. So I've been working on that since uh, January. Currently, the only two parts of the player section that aren't done are humanity and negotiation, and humanity's partway done. So Humanity meaning like mental damage. Yes, that yeah. chapter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we talked about stuff that's going to change in yeah. Game Changers. Um, so... I am working on doing all that on my end. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get the last of the art commissions in mm-hmm. uh, for the Kickstarter trailer, which I'll have to start developing soon uh, with you. So I got to yes. get on your schedule for That's that. the other person, project manager. You, you might want to get somebody to help you with the marketing. Yes, that <laughs> is very good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you. so I got to coordinate with you for that as I get all that in. I'm working with Kyle and Kat on the sample layout. Yeah. Uh, and that, in turn, is going to give me the rough price per page and the information I need for estimates. Sure. Uh, so I just sent out emails, and I got updated quotes because I want to make sure everyone's prices were okay yeah. for all the artists I want to work with on the project. So that was another big email string that I sent out. And I was also updating them on what I plan to do in the Kickstarter. So sure. I got all of their rates. So what I did after that is I researched everything on where I wanted to do the printing at, and I figured out the cost per page, and I figured out how many words per Scrivener got me pages it with layout. Uh, and now I'm doing price estimates of all of that for different page lengths and different black and white color, hardback, softback combinations, so I can eventually price out reward tiers and, and things of that level. And also stretch goals for... Yeah. Um, because one of the ideas is as a possible stretch goal is doing like hardcover or color printings of the book and that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, but that, and that requires offset print running usually. Well, I mean, yeah, there are, there are various options out there. So like you have to figure all that out. So <laughs> hundreds of print combinations. Yeah. So my plan <laughs> is get the player section done, completely revised, ready to go. Uh, then work solely on ad copy, the trailer, and getting the Kickstarter right. Script for the video, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> um, and we will probably do a podcast just on planning for Kickstarters. Yeah. Um, so that will be where I move into next. So project management-wise, I'm not doing well because for those couple of months, I can't get my artist working. But i got to plan out the program. Uh, what I have done is I've made sure to get them on board already for artist-specific stretch goals. Yeah. So I know that much. Once the copy's up, I am just going to be answering questions uh, and dumping links 
Ross will be doing the same. Yeah. Because uh, I'll be, you know, helping him out and throwing a portion of the budget to help him <laughs> uh, have him run the site when I have to be other places. Yeah. Um, so we'll be running that. While that's doing that, because I know that's some work, but not constant work, I'm going to revise the GM chapter because that will be easier than the changes in the player chapter, mm-hmm. which contain the majority of the rules. Uh, and the GM chapter is primarily advice and tools and things like that. Uh, so my plan is that to have that completely done and ready to go by the end of the Kickstarter. So here's how it should all work, God willing, if the Kickstarter meets. Kickstarter meets. Mm-hmm. The second it meets in the campaign, I send off the player section for an editing pass. Yeah. Along with contracts for that because I can afford it now. Yeah. I send, I keep on working on the GM section. By the time the campaign ends, editing should be done. That goes over to layout on the player section. Yeah. GM section should be done. That goes over to editing. And then I start working on setting material, which hasn't been written yet. Once layout's done on that chapter, I shoot that over to artists. I start assigning contracts there. Uh, editing stuff goes from editing into layout. They're, again, putting the words up there with blank holes where pictures should be. Right, right. Uh, so you can make sure that the art fits the scene, yeah. which is something that my sample chapter is not going to have because it's art that we use for the trailer. Yeah. Uh, but my combat... My combat chapter has almost no combat art in it uh, yeah. in the sample, but yeah. it's just a sample, basically what it looks like. Right, right. Uh, the text could change by then. So it's ideal to get the layout done first and then assign art afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so that would be basic. And that's what I'm thinking about project management-wise. Get the player section done so it can get off immediately. By the time it's done, it goes to layout. Then I get the next section to editing, and I can work on writing the next section. And then moving on and on and on and on. And I realize I haven't had the whole book written out like the original plan was. Uh, but, you know, at this point, we need to get cracking on this. I'm out of art budget. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be wasting a lot of people's time and losing artists yeah. uh, to other projects at this point if we don't uh, Move strike forward. while the fire's hot. Yeah. So that's the plan. Uh, and here's the thing. If it slows up with me writing setting information and I slow down there between getting at the next editing stuff – the part where it's really going to slow down is also in art creation. So uh, by then, I'll have the player section and the GM section in art. That's something where it could probably afford to slow down a little bit more uh, by the wide time I get the setting information done. So hopefully by splitting the book up in three parts like that, uh, not in chronological order necessarily, but putting yeah. them in the book that way, uh, we can get the book done in two years instead of seven <laughs> uh, by the time the Kickstarter launches. So that's what I'm talking about with project management. But that is weeks and months of emails of planning right there, and nothing's really even gone wrong yet. So that's what you're talking about when you're trying Not to organize like. big stuff like this. <laughs> uh, so as I was saying with that, um, my tentative Kickstarter date uh, is May 23rd. It's a Monday. Ooh, big day. Uh, I will be getting out of school the week beforehand, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully that will give me uh, five or six more days to scramble. (laughs) 
uh, and get things finalized uh, before we launch, and then I can be on it full time until it clears. Uh, If I get things done early somehow, doubtful. Uh, We might go earlier with Ross at the helm Mm -hmm. because uh, statistics show that you're more likely to succeed if you uh, launch in April and end in May. Right. Uh, But you still have pretty good success rates if you end in June. It's just that uh, by if you launch in June and end in July or July, August, those are like – it's well, almost, August is bad for because of Gen Con. Yes, and it's almost worse than the uh, Christmas season for Kickstarters yeah. succeeding. But to be fair, Kickstarters succeed all year long. I mean, and there are good ones, there are profitable ones all year long. It's just, I, I recognize that. Yeah, but you want to you want to stack the odds in your favor if you can. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, it's not going to be a cheap book. Yeah. Uh, if it's made, uh, <laughs> it might be a very cheap book because it doesn't exist, uh, <laughs> and it only cost my life. Um, your but, life so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. That's tentatively what we're looking at right around the end of school. Yeah. Uh, in May, uh, launching it and getting it out there. Awesome. So. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, so, huzzah. Because I know people have been really excited, uh, especially judging from the comments on the brutalists. And that's uh, been enormously helpful. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, it keeps me very motivated. Yeah. Uh, I've been working very hard on it and. Yeah, and if you don't back the Kickstarter, the Moth Hand will find you. And uh, we're playing in it now. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm playing in a game of it. Yes. So we're, we're playing in Fallen Flag. Yeah, uh, we have some notes of it on the RPPR forums. I'm running it. Uh, we have six players for our full group, including Faust, uh, all the regulars, um, and Sean as well. Uh, so, And uh, I really enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> that, do you? Are you sure? I do. Like, you're running it really well. Yeah. I really like the group. It's like one of my favorite campaigns we've played in a long time, but I feel weird saying that because it's a game I designed. Like, it feels so self serving. (laughs) Like, boy, I I sure did a great job. Yeah. I am having fun. (laughs) Like, just so smug. Yeah. It's such a dick thing to say, but like, I really enjoy playing the game. Like, there's been some really, like, last session was tense. Yeah. Like, it was. Tense. Yeah, like, you were really hoping those dice rolled in your favor. Oh god, yeah. So I was, I you know, and I think other people are enjoying it too. Yeah. And I think the rules are working way better mm-hmm. than even in the Brutalists, and they weren't that bad in the Brutalists. No. So, um, I, like we've like it mentioned in Game Changers, the one that we're playing post um, beta feedback. So like the Brutalists, they had you know ten. Uh, endurance and 10 rations fallen flag you just have 10 rations so like (laughs) uh that's one big change right out the bat uh and this is a bust mode game so like all the all the jobs are like (laughs) bring cooking oil to the enclave (laughs) and bring eggs back and you and the complication was oh no one told you you had to bring eggs Eggs. back (laughs) yeah you guys were ready to murder people we were ready to murder people uh but it's going really great and and uh we're telling the kind of stories that i wanted to tell like yeah uh definite economic horror going Mm -hmm. on and uh, I think everybody's role playing interlude yeah. systems working great. Yeah, vignettes yeah. are working way better now. Yeah, um, still some work to do, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I just got to write it down. But yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. So I'm I'm really psyched to play in it. I'm really psyched to have more people play it. Yeah. Um. So I think now is the time for the Kickstarter. Like, yeah, 
because uh, the excitement's sort of bleeding over to me, and I want to get it out there. So yeah, I think everybody does. So. So uh, before then, we'll probably talk about the Kickstarter. Uh, marketing for the Kickstarter. Yeah, marketing, and uh, we'll talk about how we planned it. Yeah. Uh, and that'll probably go up shortly before it launches. Ooh. But uh, until then, I need to get back to writing. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.